October 30th, 2023. We're going to, in a moment, begin Masechet Bavakama. I want to first thank uh, the generous donors of the Gemarot that each of you are, or most of you are using, uh, Jared Feldman and Joey Levy. Should only be Marbe Talmud Torah through your generous dedications and donations. Amen. Amen. As we begin Masechet Bavakama, this limud should bring us not only Yedi'at Hashem through knowledge of Torah, through the laws of Shemira, of Nezikim, which the Gemara will describe as being one of the areas that sharpens the mind best in terms of understanding the ways of God. In fact, historically, uh, it's one of the first Masechtot that little children were taught. It's Masechet Bavakama because Bavakama gives a certain flavor, a certain understanding of the words of God, but this limut should bring, as I hope the past ones have as well, a certain dibuk haverim. We should be able to grow together through our Talmud Torah in a way that only through studying together, as opposed to bad bevad, as the Gemara describes it separately, in solidarity, or, or rather in a, uh, in a uh, uh, isolated fashion, together in solidarity, we should be able to grow in ways that we couldn't otherwise. Masechet Bavakama really focuses mostly on two perakim in Parashat Mishpatim in Sefer Shemot, in Perek Kaf Aleph and in Perek Kaf Bet. Those are the perakim, those are the chapters that detail damages. Of course, we're not supposed to damage anyone else, certainly not their property either, uh, but the Torah describes the, uh, the liabilities that a person faces under such circumstances if they were to do so. And in turn, from the very onset, basically all the way through the end, with a few other issues that are addressed, that's what we're dealing with throughout Masechet Bavakama. The name, as, uh, as Alan asked uh, earlier, the name Bavakama, what does it mean to be Bavakama? A Bava in Aramaic until today, a Bab in Arabic is a reference to a gate. Kama means the first. Masechet Bavakama is the first of three gates. What are those three gates? Well, Bavakama, Bava Metzia, and Bava Batra. Each of those three together make up what's known as Masechet Nizikin. I mean, Masechet Bavakama is over 120 dapim. It would be very difficult to have all those Masechtot together. And as a result, at some point in time, the Masechtot were split up. So this is the first of those three archways and gates. Masechet Bava Metzia is the middle one. It deals with other aspects of Shemira, of watching over matters of another. And then Masechet Bava Batra finishes those sorts of conversations, each one with its own nuanced conversations. That's Masechet Bava Kama. The first several dapim, last word of introduction of Masechet Bava Kama, might throw you off. It might make you imagine and think that it's not a Masechet rich in sharp analysis because the first several dapim of Masechet Bava Kama deal with classification. From the first Mishnah, through the next five or six dapim, the Masechet really deals with classification. And what I mean by that is it details what fits under what heading, how do we analyze that which is derived from it. The specifics and the details are not really analyzed and dealt with until we get past that. In my opinion, I've always felt this way, although Masechet Bava Kamal is Girsadi Anuka is one of the first Masechtot I learned. It's a perfect Masechet in that respect. It's the way you should be studying something. You first classify, you put it all together, and then you detail and uh, deal with all the uh, specifics. It gets, though, a little tedious in the first several dapim. 
don't fall out of it, hang in there, through the tediousness, the principles will emerge, and in turn, we'll understand the rest of it, we'll be able to understand it properly. Uh, that's the introductions. The first Mishnah now begins, So the Mishnah, as I promised, starts with classification. It says there are four fathers, or four primary members of Nizikim. Nizikin, again, is the word that means damages. So there are four ways, says the Mishnah, that are referenced as avot with regards to damage of you to another. What's with the word avot? The other word will be toladot. It means uh, descendants. It means derivatives of it. What's described as an av and what as a toleda? Already Rashi on these words, arba'a avot nizikin, Rashi says avot, quote unquote, kare lehanach dichtivan bikra. The following four avot are what the Torah refers to. So an av is something that's explicit in the Torah, behedya, explicitly. And in turn, the Gemara will explain, what are the derivatives, what are the descendants of these avot? Now it's important to note already that both by Nizikin as well as by Shabbat, and we'll see even in the Gemara, by Tuma and Tahara, both avot and Toledot are both biblically binding. Biblically prohibited. It's not that this is from the Torah and that's Midrabbanan. It's that this is explicit in the Torah and the others are derived from it. Nothing more and nothing less. We'll try to understand do they have different details, but that's the definition of an av in a sentence. An av is mifurash behedya bakera. It's explicit in Pasuk in the Torah. There are four avot nizikin, says the Mishnah, and they are number one, hashor. Number two, habor. Number three, hamav'eh. And number four, hahev'eh. Three of these four are somewhat easy to explain. One of them is uh, enigmatic, is a little bit mysterious. Shor, well, we know that means an ox, and by extension, it means any animal, anything of your property that has a life to it that damages another. The Gemara will quickly delineate within Shor several segments. There's what's called Keren, Shin, and Regel. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but already mentioning it's important to have these words on our lips, on our tongue already. Um, each of those refers to a different way of damage, and it's its own classification system. Keren is goring, and it's got specific characteristics. It's what's known as Darko Lehazik. We assume that an animal of that sort will be goring. Shen is uh, what, when it eats from property. That's what we refer to as hana'a, that gets some benefit. So by extension, if it scratch, scratches its back against something, that even though it's not eating from it, if, by, by, if the dog is in the street and it's scratching its back on the car and it dents the car, that would be shen as well. I have to understand already, we're not talking in a very narrow sense with regards to any of these. We're talking about them as being principles. So those are two aspects, again, of shor. There's keren and there's shen, and lastly, there's regel. Regel means it's just trampling. Through walking on something, through trotting through property, it ruins the property. That's what's referred to as regel. Those are three derivatives the Gemara will suggest of Shor, according to most opinions. The next one is Bor. Bor refers to a pit. A pit is, well, what does a pit do? A pit doesn't go out and move in order to damage, but if something falls into the pit, well, then it will get damaged. 
under many circumstances, you're liable if it's your pit which damages another person. That's not to say that the pit is in your possession. If you dug that hole on your property and someone's dog, someone's cat, someone's whatever runs onto your property and gets hurt, you're not liable. It's specifically a bor bereshut tarabim. Later on on Daf Memtet, we'll deal with some of the details of what that means. But you dug it out on Avenue U. You dug it in a public thoroughfare. That's where you'll be liable. You might question if it's in a public area, how are you liable? This is one of the famous exceptions of a case, one of two cases, Hametz and Borbir Shutarabim, where it's not really in your possession, but we make it as if it's in your possession. So that's the second on the list. What's that? Like digging a hole on the beach, you know my children too well. Um, so th- those are the first two, shore and bor. I guess that's the that's the closest we'll get to this one. We're not we're not digging on Avenue U. We're digging on the beach. Many people and someone runs by or a dog runs by and it hurts itself. That would be bor mav'e. Mav'e is a very hard word to translate. So much so that the Gemara will have a dispute between Rav and Shimuel just on how to define the word mav'e. Uh, we'll have one other suggestion the Gemara, which will be knocked down. We'll have Rav and Shemuel, I can tell you already. One suggests that Mav'e is a reference to human beings who are mazik, who damage others. And the other suggests that it's a reference to Shem, one of those that we mentioned earlier. For one reason or another, it's separated from Shor. It's when the animal is getting some benefit from eating or otherwise through damage. But the Gemara will have to deal with exactly what Mav'e is. The word Mav'e already, specifically, there's a good Musar in this. With regards to human beings, the Gemara cites a pasuk from Mav'e with regards to, in other words, what does the word mean even? Bor, we know what the word means. Shor, we know what it means. What does Mav'e mean? If it's a reference to human beings, there's a Musar in that. It cites a pasuk, im tiva'ayu ba'ayu, which means to say, if you're going to pray, if you're going to request and beseech God, which means to say, fascinatingly, if it's a reference to human beings, the reference, the code word for human beings in our Mishnah is Mav'e, which means a prayerful being. That's fascinating. That's, in my opinion, that defines us as who we are. It means that we, at our core, are supposed to be beings who live in this world and, in turn, are praying in some respect. Why that's in the context of Nizikin, okay, a separate question, but that's the third of these four classifications with regards to primary avot, and the fourth is hev'er. Hev'er is a reference to fire. Kav'era, um, the Torah describes in parashat v'ha'alotecha, is the place where there's a fire which seems to consume the people. Hev'er is a reference to fire. Each one of these four, as Rashi made clear for us, are explicit in the Torah. Mav'e, either way you explain it, Rav or Shemuel that we mentioned are explicit in the Torah. Again, as I mentioned, this is all basically in Parashat Mishpatim, Perek Kaf Aleph and Perek Kaf Bet. Adam, human beings, is separate. That's in Parashat Emor. And the truth is the eighth chapter and onward of Masech Bavakama will deal primarily with human beings who damage. Most of it until then is with regards to your property. There'll be a lot of significant issues that will come up. It sounds a little out there, only on the beach and only my ox and only a pit and something of that sort and fire. It's, it's a little bit more significant than that because the Gemara will, uh, within the first few dapim, talk about 
What about a hezek she'enonikar? What about if you damage a person, but there's no physical mark on them? In today's day and age, that's much of the damage that a person might incur or cause to others. It's something uh, which has technologically uh, affected them. It's something with regards to a way in which you impacted them. What's the halakha in that sort of circumstance? And so forth. So we'll have to deal with each of these as they come up and arise through the Gemara. But those are the first four mentioned here in the Mishnah. Interestingly, the Torah does have many other cases of damage, and yet the Mishnah only gives us four. The Gemara will cite, a little bit on Dafhe, two other opinions. It'll have Rabbi Osha'aya and Rabbi Hiya. One has 13 and one has 24 avot. Of course, the question will be, why, why keep it to four? Why 13 by 24? How about each of them? So at this point, we have no idea. And at this point, maybe there is no difference. Uh, the Gemara will wonder that from the first line. Is there a difference in terms of penalty, in terms of how much you pay? That will be literally the first question of the Gemara. I said that the four, I, I said that to be qualified as an Av means it's in the Torah. Our Mishnah lists four. The Gemara will cite Rabbi Osha'ya who finds 13, all in the Torah. Yeah. And then I'll have Rabbi Hiyah who found 24 in the Torah, which in turn will pose the question, why do you count that and why do you count that? That's, that's what I'm just giving you a sneak preview of what's to come. Says the Mishnah onward, Lo shor ve lo shor. So what the Mishnah goes on to do is to uh, preempt, is to beat you to the question of why do we need the Torah to even mention all four of these? Why not use a mechanism known as binyan av to derive one from the other? What do I refer to when I say binyan av? We've seen this so many times in the Gemara, but the concept goes as follows. The Hachamim understood that the Torah would not waste details or facts or even words on concepts that you could have derived otherwise, which means to say, if the Torah just mentioned a law in one context, you should know it in all situations. So why do you need all four of these, even just these four to be mentioned? Why not mention one and derive the others? If the Torah just gives me one case of where my property damages, shouldn't I know all cases where my property damages that I'm liable? Why is it necessary for the Torah and in turn the Mishnah to list all four of these? So that's what the Mishnah tells us right after. It says, Lo You should know that somehow the shor is different than the mav'eh. It doesn't tell us how, but in some way they're different to the extent that you wouldn't be able to derive one from the other. They're different. One has more stringencies than the other to the extent that you say, oh, you're only liable over there. Now, oh, the Torah says even over there, you'd need the Torah to... And likewise, you couldn't just mention the other and in turn derive that one. So both Shor and Mav'eh, says the Mishnah at the onset, are necessary to be listed. It doesn't detail exactly why, but it's assuming that you'll take its word for it that each of them has severities that the other doesn't. Rashi is already prompted by the question of, the Mishnah began with the following four, Hashor, Habor, 
and only then Hamavah. So our listing, and the reason it's in that order, Rashi explains, because that's the order that they're listed in the Torah. So it goes Hashor, Habor, Vehamavah. The logical direction then would to say to be to, would be to say Hashor is not like the Bor, and the Bor is not like the Shor. You couldn't derive one from the other. Instead, the Mishnah goes on and it says Hashor is not like the Mavaeh. That's one and three, and Mavaeh three is not like the Shor. What happened to Bor? I mean, the, the pit got left out of this? Oh, so you could have derived something? What, why did the Mishnah go on to explain? I, I get it. I understand the concept. It's to say I can't make a binyanav, derive one from the other. But the logical progression over here, if we were purposeful in the ordering, hashor, bor, mav'eh, as Rashi says we were, well, then why'd we skip over bor? If you'll take a look at the right-hand side at Rashi, I'll just start again the second line from the top in Rashi. Hashor v'habor v'chule, first Rashi details what I just swallowed in my sentence. Kesedeh shehen ketuvin ba'parashah, sidiran ba'mishnah. The Mishnah orders these based on their order in the Torah. The parashari shona neemra beshor, shenia bebor. The first is by shor, and the second is by bor. When he refers to parashah, it doesn't mean parashat yitro, parashat mishpatim, parashat terumah. That's not, excuse me, parashat mishpatim, parashat yitro, parashat. It doesn't mean that. What he means is, in this uh, situation, is the, the segments in the Torah that deal with nizikin. So he says that's the ordering. Mav'e says Rashi, mefaresh bagemara, as I told you, it'll be dispute. Hev'er, Rashi over here, interestingly, cites the pasuk for us, kitese'esh. And then, Rashi, lohare hashor kahare mav'eh, kilomar, says Rashi. In other words, what the Mishnah is telling us is, ikatav rahmana shor lanafik mav'eh mine vamatu lehache isirichu lemikhtav. If you were to just mention one, you wouldn't be able to derive the other. Therefore, they both needed to be listed. Now, says Rashi, what I was referring to, ulehache. And for the following reason, Nakat Beresha, we mentioned initially, Lohare Hashor, Kahareha Mav'eh, jumping over Bor, Kahareha Mav'eh, Velo Nakat Lehu Keseder, and it didn't grab it and teach it in the proper order, which would have been, quote, Lohare Hashor, Kahareha Bor. Why not, Rashi? Mishum, because if it were to do so, and I'm going to just tell you already, it's a little anticlimactic. Rashi's just going to say it's for practical reasons. It's for syntax reasons, so the Mishnah reads nicely. Mishum de tu lahave matzel mitne lo veze veze sheesh bahen ruach hayim de habor in bo ruach hayim. Because the next words in the Mishnah are going to say, it goes like this: the Shor is not like the Mav'eh. The Mav'eh can't be derived from the Bor. You should know those two together couldn't teach something else like Bor because those two together have a life source. And maybe the life source makes you more liable, makes you more penalized with regards to uh, damages. Uh, but you wouldn't be able to say that. If we started with lo shor bor, you wouldn't be able to explain that the shor and bor have a life source. They don't have a life source. So it's just for practical reasons. I walk into the room and I want to say there are three individuals here and each one of them is unique and not like the other. So I start with the first and the second who are most similar. And I say that those two are not really similar in, full, in their full sense to the third one. And so I said, the first one is not like the second one. The second one's not like the first one. Okay, and there's one. But even though those two are similar, and now you understand why the third is entirely different, you could only do that if the first two had a life source. So it's for that reason, for practical reasons, that the Mishnah did so. That's. Well, I don't know what three is, but four has a life source. 
Really? What's the live song? I light a fire. I'm not watching my fire. I didn't put it out in my campfire. And then it's burning the whole town. You sit shiva when fire dies? That's true. All right. You, you bury your fire? The fire is not alive. The words, the words of the, the words of the Gemara with regards to fire will be koach acher me'uravbo. It'll describe it as having wind which helps it be spread and started. But it's not really alive. As life is attributed to animals and to human beings, not to other things, maybe to vegetation. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's 100% correct. The Mishnah is agreeing with that. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. So again, so says Rashid, it needed to do so to tell the habor in and another technical, practical reason why the Mishnah did this. It's furthermore, practically and technically more significant to mention first the two people who are most similar to one another and to say, but they're still not the same. So I start with the two most similar, Mav'eh and Shor. I say, they're not the same. Even these two are not the same. So one of those two practical reasons is why the Mishnah goes on to say that the shore is not like the Mav'eh. Okay, it's a technical... It's a good question. Nathan says, if this is the case, why does the Torah list it differently? We'll have to, there's an answer. We'll have to open the Pesukim and understand why. In other words, if the Torah is going to bring us along in the most logical order, you'd go in the most similar ones, as the Mishnah is now doing, and then go onward. That's a proper question. Can't be answered in the moment. But again, says the Mishnah again, Now continues the Mishnah. You might in turn, and this is from the 13 Midot Shatorah Nidreshet by him. There's Binyana of Mikatubehad. What we talked about until now is what's called Binyana Mikatubehad. I say, one case can and should teach me about another case, unless I have a reason not to. Then we have what's called binyanav mishenekitubim, which means to say I have two separate cases, which the Torah lists. Each one of them was necessary because each one has a severity, and in turn you wouldn't be able to derive the other law from it. If I only taught you this one, you'd say, oh, it's because of its severity that you can't teach it. Same thing in this one to that one. What about if I teach both of those two? So each one of them has one severity. Each one of them is unique in its own way, but those unique aspects should cancel one out, one, one of the other out, right? In other words, the reason this one's Hayab ben Izikin maybe is because it's got a life source. The reason this one's Hayab ben Izikin is because it's got something else severe about it. All right, but does the other have that aspect? And once you taught me those two, shouldn't I be able to learn other things from that? That's what's called the Binyanav Mishene Ketubim. Continues the Mishnah and explains, you couldn't do that either, logically speaking. Why not? Veloze if the Torah had mentioned shor and mav'eh, which both move and damage, you'd say they have a certain severity. They're prone, their typical activity will bring them to damage. 
That's why you're liable in those situations. I dug a hole on the beach, it's stationary, that's not on me, that's on you, that's not my responsibility. And as a result, the Torah needed to in turn list bor as well. Says the Mishnah, Hatzad Bahen. what I can ultimately speaking tell you is, did I skip this line? And all three, I'm sorry, Shor, Bor, Mav'e, and Esh, all move, are not like Bor, Again, effectively then the Mishnah has told us you couldn't and wouldn't derive any of these from the other, not even using three in order to teach to Bor, Shor, Bor, and Shor, Bor, and Mav'e to teach to Bor, you wouldn't be able to do so, those three move. You couldn't use Shor and Mav'e to teach to Bor because those two are Ruach Hayim and Bor and Esh are in Bahim Ruach Hayim, Hatzad HaShavesh Bahim. What I can at the very least state about these four and then derive others from this principle is that Tzad HaShaveh, the common denominator is Shedarkan Lehazik, each of these four things is a typical nature to cause damage, Ushmiratan Alecha, and as a result it's your responsibility to safeguard them, okay, that's the principle with regards to Nizikin, and anything which is Darkole Hazik, which is prone and typical to, to damage, and in turn you have Shmiratan Alecha, it's your responsibility to safeguard, and lastly, what sounds like a minute detail, Ukshehizik, Hava Mazik, Leshalem, Tashlume Nezik, Bemetab Ha'aret. When, if your property or yourself did damage another person, you can either pay in money, or if you're paying with land, as was once the reality, you had to pay with what's called metav, the highest level of the land, as Jared so eloquently says, idis, idit. Edit is the Aramaic word for highest value of land. The rabbis classified lands as three different values, Edit, Benonit, and Ziborit. In terms of responsibilities over here, you have to pay with Edit. You have to pay with the highest value of land. Different situations call for different things. When a person's paying his wife's kid to buy, he pays with a different value of land and so forth. Over here, that's the common denominator which is derived again from Pesukim. That's what we have thus then in the Mishnah. The Mishnah again gives us the classification of the four avot, explains that each one was necessary to be independently taught because you couldn't learn one from the other. Uh, that begins the Gemara with that note, on that note. Midekatane avot. Tane means to teach. Midekatane, from that which it taught in our Mishnah, quote unquote, avot, they're the four fathers, miklal, we can derive from this, kelal means the collective, mikelal means from the gathering, meaning we can derive from this, di'ika sheyesh, that there are toledot. If I say to you, listen, here's the forefathers, you say, oh, there must be children. Okay, uh, so I'm going to now theoretically, hypothetically, say, oh, there are children. I don't know what the children look like. I'm not sure what the nature of the children of these uh, nizikin are, but I can already understand there are derivatives. There aren't these concrete four cases. There's things similar to them that are fall under their classification. I have a question, says the Gemara. Toldotehen, kayotze bahen, olav kayotze bahen. Kayotze bahen means are they similar to them? Or lav kayotze bahen, are they not, are they dissimilar to them? This is what Jesse asked earlier. Jesse said, okay, I understand there's avot and there's toledot. Do they have different halachot? 
Those they have the same halachot. You've told me in the Mishnah, Shmiratan Alecha and Tashlumin, you have to pay when you're damaged on any of these circumstances without any of the details. We know that at the core of Nizikin, it means I have a liability with regards to paying back. Are the Toledot the same? Are there any different details? Is it all the same? Is there something that I should know? Or is it just that those are in the Torah and these are not explicitly so? So as a Gemara, I have two other cases where I talk about Avot and Toledot. Let's begin with those, understand how it works over there, and then pose the question over here. And it, it's Binyanav, so of course the Toledot... The Binyanav, where do we have a Binyanav? To the Toledot? No, it's not Binyanav, it's directly derived. You don't need a Binyanav over there. It's just like it. That's, uh, you know, Binyanav means I have two primary halachot and I'm deriving one from the other. Over here it just falls under it, like in Shabbat. Zorea'in notea. Zorea is the melacha from the Torah, means you put seeds into the ground. Notea means I take a tree and I plant it into the ground. It's not Binyanav, it just falls under. It's the same idea, it's no different, subcategory. As, says the Gemara, midekatane avot toledot, dash, Let's start with our two other places where we know of such a concept of avot and toledot. Notice, test it out over there. Is it kayotze or not kayotze? And then pose the question here. Again, I say that Maseche Bava Kama, at least in my opinion, is very carefully crafted. Everything is methodical over here. There's no what seems sometimes like messiness. The Gemara is very methodical. It doesn't even pose the question and deal with it by Nizikin. It says, let's first abstractly see how it is in Shabbat. Then let's look at it in Tumah. Then we'll bring it on. It's very carefully crafted, at least in my opinion. It says the Gemara, Gabe Shabbat Tenan. We have a Mishnah in Masechet Shabbat. This is the famous Mishnah of Ayin Gimal, Masechet Shabbat. The 39 melachot. The Mishnah says over there, Avot melachot arba'im haser ahat. In the halachot of Shabbat, we have 39, 40 minus 1. Uh, avot melachot, primary melachot. Now the Gemara will in a moment or two already refer to how we know there are these 39. Of course, it's what was done in the Mishkan, the construction or even the upkeep of the Mishkan. 39 melachot, why? The Gemara Masechet Shabbat deals with that. You want to deal with it right now? It's simplest answer is it's just a round number. It's forty, and you say my. We do it with uh, with Malkota as well. Anyway, so it says Avot Melachot Arbaim Chaserahat, and many of these, if not all of them, we're familiar with. Mevashe. Well, we'll start at the beginning. There's Zorea. There's seeding, and there's Choresh. There's plowing, and there's Dash, and there's Meraked, and there's Borer, etc., etc. You have lots of Melachot with regards to what you cannot do on Shabbat. Of course, we have many derivatives of them. Uh, the actions that you and I do today, aside from maybe cooking, don't in any way resemble what it once was. Those were the avot, and we're doing maybe things, or not doing things, that would be similar to them in today's day and age. Okay, but regardless, says the Gemara, if the Mishnah tells me there are 39 avot, miklal, I can derive from this, toladot. there as well, there must be children if there's fathers. You should know, over there by Shabbat, the Toledot have the same law or in very, very closely related to the Avot. How so? In what way? That you're liable? Or there's something more? Lashena av hatat, lashena toleda hatat. So first and foremost, lashena av sekila, lashena toleda sekila. With regards to punishment, they have identical punishments. 
on Shabbat, if a person were to do one of these 39 melachot b'shogeg, they have to bring a korban hatat, they have to bring a sacrifice for a wrongdoing. If they do it purposefully, b'mezid, they get the punishment of sikila, they get stoned to death. In those two circumstances, av and toleda are identical. That was our question. Our question is by nizikin, todotehen kayosebayin olav kayosebayin. By Shabbat, I know the answer. They're identical, they're the same. You get the same punishment. Why then is there an Av and a Toleda? What's the difference between two? Okay, the Gemara will deal, deal with that in just a moment. But fundamentally, they're the same in terms of cause and effect. I did it and I'm liable to this punishment. No, I very carefully stated that. Let me say it again. All Toledot or Oraita. Avot are mefurash pasuk toledot are still hayav min ha-Torah. Says the Gemara, if that's the case, that this is the av and the toleda, and Nathan adds, the toledot are not midrabbanan, umayika ben av le toleda. So then what's the difference? Why is one known as the father and the other as the child? They sound the same to me. Nafkamina, the first answer of the Gemara, according to Hachamim, is nafka, nafik means to come out, um, to come, and mina means from it. So what comes out of me, and the practical difference is, if a person were to do two avot, we'll define those words in a second, but it means at the same time, and so let's define all these words. First, doesn't per se mean at the same second. It means I wake up in the morning, Saturday morning, I forgot it's Shabbat. I'm not thinking about it being Shabbat. I've got a lot of important things to do. So I walk into my backyard. Let's imagine I'm in Jersey. I have a backyard. And I uh, cut off of my tree a, uh, I don't know, an apple. That was already Melechit Koser. Again, I was all not realizing that it's Shabbat. I bring it into the home and I start preparing for later in the day or for tomorrow. I'm cutting it into very fine, small pieces of, 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 and bits of apple. And as a result, I'm uh, violating the melacha called tohen. So I've done two melachot within a few minutes or even an hour or whatever without realizing it's Shabbat. How many, how many sacrifices do I need to bring for that? The answer is one for each one of them. What if, alternatively, I did one av and one toleda? Is it the same liability? What if I do an av and its toleda? Is it different there? So the Gemara explains for us, this is the nafkamina di'ilu. How many sacrifices do I bring? Right. If I were to do two separate avot, melechet koser and melechet tohen, means at the same time, means what's called forgetting it's Shabbat. Alternatively, two separate toledot if, with, with, while forgetting that it's Shabbat. Melechem mevashel, instead of ofe, that's a toleda. Melechem notea, instead of zorea, that's a toleda. Mehayev, you'd be obligated to bring a sacrifice. Koban hadat, hatat, akol hada vehada. Al kol echad vehad, for each one of them. Two, or whatever amount I did. Ve'ilu, and here's the difference. Avid av ve'tolada dideh la mehayev elahada. However, if I do the av and its toleda, then I only bring one sacrifice. Uh, what am I bringing it for? For the Av, you'd imagine. 
That's a good question. It's learned from Pesukim. We'll talk about the logic next time. But just to state it clearly then, the only difference then between Av and Toledah is not in terms of liability in a normal circumstance. It's when I do it accidentally, the Av and its Toledah. So again, I seed the field and then right afterwards I take a tree and I, or a plant and I put it into the field. The Av was Zorea, the Toledah was Notea, was the planting afterwards, I'm only going to be liable for one Korban. The logic, the Pesukim, I don't know at the moment, but that's what the Gemara told me is the only difference. In turn, after doing Tum'ah, the Gemara will then pose it to Nizikin. That was the fundamental issue. This is all just side conversation as to why then is there an Av in Toledah, if they have the same liability. And we'll continue with this tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.